3: the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report.
1: And you're invited to join us in so many ways on social media. It is at Your Tech Report. Check out YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we are there like we were supposed to be in Vegas, Mitchell, but uh, unfortunately due to uh, ailments of various kinds, as you can probably hear in my <laughs> voice. Anyway... Um, we were nowhere to be found in Vegas, but we do have people that were there, so... Uh,
4: yeah, we have people on the floor. You know, let's... let's Now, by the way, uh, Happy New Year, Mark. Thank
1: you. Happy New Year to you. as Happy New as Year. Well. It,
4: it's, yeah, we we were off for a little bit, but uh, we are back, and it's good to be back. And, you know, we should acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is Mark and I both sound like recovering sickies. You actually sound pretty but, good. Like, uh,
1: I don't know about me to you, because I know in my head I sound now You sound pretty good, but I
4: think, I think we're always going to sound worse to each other. I mean, our, in, our own voices are going to sound worse, because we know that we're not feeling great, yeah. so we can, we're listening for it, but... Uh, yeah, so we're just acknowledging that right now. We're going to power through though because it's a new year. It's a new year of technology. Uh, CES is happening. There's so much stuff going on. Mark, we can't honestly. I know people. It's a kind of a cliche. We we really cannot afford to be sick this time of year. So we no, got to shake it off. And we were supposed shake to be it there, off.
1: Mitchell. We were supposed to be in Vegas. I know. I know we planned. had our reservations. Yeah. So it was supposed to be exciting. But you know what? Yeah. Clearly, yeah. someone was trying to stop us from getting there. So, are you
4: saying it was divine intervention I don't know. Mark? I don't
1: know what it was Mitchell, but we were not. There. Wow. So, you know what, honestly, I'll be perfectly honest, <laughs> for those of you who've never been to a, a trade show of this scale. Yeah. To cover it while being there is actually counterproductive. It's easier to follow all the news and really go in depth by being not there. Oh yeah, cuz we can get all we can also set up interviews
4: uh, you know, on the air We could do pre-recorded stuff That we, you know, get grab people off the floor Get them on the phone So, I mean, we really are much more productive when we're not there Because we don't have to worry about Navigating the show floor Which, by the way For folks that have not been to CES The biggest I think it's the biggest Consumer electronics show in the world Not just North America It's the biggest one in the world at 2.9, at
1: people, 2.9 million um, I think it's, what, square feet Or something like that um, Over 175,000
4: people show up to this event Right And it used to be the convention center, that was it, but now it's grown so large that first it was convention center, then it became the convention center and a hotel or two. Now it's most of the strip, part of downtown, the convention center, and it's spread so far and wide that logistically it's a nightmare to cover in person because... It's hard to get from event to event in a timely manner, especially as people are announcing all these great things on the hour every hour. Yeah, no, it's, so it's, it's crazy. It's
1: difficult, but you know what? We we, we are going to do our best to cover it for you guys here. For those who have not been paying attention, so many things coming out of CES. We're now seeing foldable computers. We're seeing great 8K displays. I a car from I was going to say Sony. A car from Sony. Sony, a a car car from from Sony. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> We'll talk about that because I have some. I have a little insight on that one, so we'll talk about that. It, it, it's fun. So we're going to be talking all about that on the show. Um, we're going to welcome my friend Stephen Scott, who's actually there in Vegas. Lots of fun stuff. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk to Stephen, find out everything that happened on the show floor that we missed, and we'll uh, we'll cover it all for you. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Excellent. This is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flala, We'll be
3: right back. Your tech report. will be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
1: Welcome back. Here's Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal. If you're just tuning in and you're wondering why my voice sounds like, you know, I don't know, crap, it's because it is. Oh uh, uh, pneumonia. It's so much uh, fun. Yeah. Don't yeah. underestimate the power of pneumonia. Uh, Mitchell Whitfield, <laughs> CES Mark Week, yeah. Sets the stage for everything we're going to be talking about for the next six months. And I mean that literally because we're going to have interviews for the next six months just coming out of CES, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, some striking things that obviously we talked about this. This Sony unveiling a car. Now, this was an interesting feat because no one expected this. This is honestly one of the one of the best kept secrets in the world at this point.
4: And this is the hardest thing to do in the world at this point, uh, is to keep secrets like this. It used to be back in the day, when everyone just manufactured their own products under wraps in their own R&D facility, then okay, you can keep things under wraps. But these days, you're outsourcing so many different parts of your project to different companies in China all over the world, it's hard for it to not leak from one of these sources, right? So as Mark said, the fact that at the end of Sony's initial press conference at CES 2020, rolled the vision s and I, I no one knew this was coming and they say this is somewhere between a concept and a prototype so this odds are mark this car will never see the light of day but I want to talk about why it's important and that's why so many concept vehicles are important not just because it shows you technology that could exist, But it shows you portions of technology that could be taken from this Vision S. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what I like to talk about.
1: And this is is why, I mean, this is why Sony unveiled a car like this and why they actually spent time on it is because they have so many technologies. If you talk about their imaging technology and cameras, if you talk about sensor technology, battery technology, all this experience, you know, needs to go somewhere. And they're trying to prove a point here. And the point is, is that they've got great stuff that can contribute to the future of electronic cars. So while we, as you said, we probably will never see the, this car in see the light of day, components and concepts and technologies will make its way into other electronic vehicles. And that's
4: why concepts are important, because they're not just for this thing. It's not just for a car. Sony does not want to be, let's make this clear. Sony has no desire to be in the automobile industry. They do not want to be in the car manufacturing business. However, as Mark told you, they make probably the best sensors right now that are in cameras, you know, camera phones, you know, phones, cameras all over the place right now. DSLRs, um, their imaging technology is getting better and better exponentially every year, Mark. And this car, if you look at the inside, it looks like the new Mercedes A-Class got it on with a Tesla and had a much more techie baby. Because you know how the new A-class Mercedes, Mark, has that sort of widescreen look where the dashboard is yes. one widescreen, then it has a continuing widescreen that functions as the head unit. Well, imagine from the left vent where you're, where the driver's left AC vent would be, stretched all the way to where the passenger's <laughs> right AC vent would be, is multiple, it's one giant collection of screens. Yeah. And what's beautiful about this, one of the first things that I saw is, and I thought, this is genius, why has no car used this before? We have, a, we have phones and, and iPads that can recognize our face and unlock, right? Why couldn't your car do the same thing? And that's one of the things they showed in the Vision S that when a person sat in the driver's seat, facial recognition using their CMOS sensors in the car instantly knew who the driver was, could instantly set the seat and even set the music playlist to that person just based on yeah. facial recognition. Seems like a small thing, but these are technologies that could easily make it into any car today.
1: And I hope they do quite honestly. Like one of the things I noticed when I was looking at some of the press vehicles, press press images, was the passenger side too. Was that yes. when they sat down, they were able to watch, you know, video content on the screens in front of them. I noticed there weren't rear re- mirrors, there were cameras in the back instead. Yep. you know, So there's so many little takeaways from this vehicle, which is kind of cool. And you know what? Really, that the whole concept of concept devices was prevalent across CES. I mean, the amount of robots, the amount of interactive robots, whether they were physically there or virtually created, um, were, were all over the place at CES, which is pretty cool. And, and the variety of different... I guess, genres and different you know, industries that these crossed were kind of cool. Like Panasonic right. is trying this whole shift away from direct-to-consumer stuff and trying to do more integrated solutions for everybody across the board. And you saw them have some robotic elements of the, what they were doing. And then you'd see some companies like Intel doing stuff that's all, just for developers. So it was kind of interesting to see how the concept of concepts really rang through the entire show.
4: Yeah, and and, and it's really, again, I I sort of, this show more than anything, CES this year, changed my perception, changed how I think about concept vehicles, especially when it comes to cars. I think of concept vehicles. I always get frustrated, I don't know about you, Mark, when the auto show comes around and these companies show these incredible concepts, you're like, man, I know it's never going to come out, at least not in this form, but man, I wish it would. But to me, I have to sort, and maybe the consumers and consumers in general have to readjust their perception of what a concept vehicle is. It's giving a taste of elements of what could be a part of cars right now. And if you look at it that way, and if you break down the tech that's inside of each of these vehicles, and sort of piecemeal and say, okay, I could see the steering system in this. Sure, it might not come out in this car, but it could come out in the new Volkswagen, or these sensors that Sony is showing off, or even to go back to the Vision S to bring it back to the Sony car, the in-headrest sound system, because Sony, again, they're also known for excellent sound, correct? sixty reality audio. The yeah, audio from these vehicles just built into the headrest. And again, it will change the manufacturing process. It'll change the way that... Cabins are tuned acoustically. I mean, it, it's just—it's really incredible, and it got me kind of excited. And again, it changes the way I look at concepts because now I'm going to look at it as—I'm going to look at it as a collection of technology that could be distributed among various various vehicles and various genres. So it was—it was super cool. A couple other concepts
1: I wanted to bring up. So OnePlus makes cell phones. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and they oh I had a what you're very talking cool yep. McLaren. Oh yeah. Concept One phone, which was very interesting because. The elements of it that set it apart from everybody else in terms of a phone was this kind of hidden camera on the back. And really all it is, if you think about it, it's like a polarizing, you know, you know, when you used to take apart an old calculator when you were a kid and you'd take yeah. the two plastics and, you, and you'd and hold them side by side. You know, those polarizing effect that would black out glass. And, and yeah. this is something we've seen on cars these days. And it's something they're now using and they've shrunk on the back of the phone. So you don't even see the camera lenses anymore until they're needed. The cool part about this, other than obviously hiding the cameras, is that it actually acts as an active ND filter. I know. Isn't that incredible? So and when you use an ND filter on any kind of camera, especially outdoors when it's very bright, it allows you to not compromise the quality of your image by, you know, bumping up your ISO to, to obviously meet what's out there, which is pretty cool.
4: And, and people have seen this technology. We see it in conference rooms actually all the time now, and and upsettingly enough, we see it in mall bathrooms where when you close the door, suddenly the glass becomes opaque and oh, you can no longer see. All it takes is one person not locking that door, and they're going to end that technology. But we'll see it in conference oh, rooms. God. where people want privacy. Privacy glass is the new. Th- I think they're calling it privacy glass. And Mark, I I, I don't want to overlook because, again. It, it could come off as looking gimmicky. Okay, good. They they made they made something that looks a little gimmicky, and they put it on the McLaren. They're you know they bleeding edge phone, and that, that glass actually is in the sunroof of mclaren so yes, it's it kind is. of really cool so it's a really good call back to something that's actually in a mclaren but if you think about it mark think about the back of the iphone okay yes. uh that you know we call it the tile tracker in the back that looks so hideous when we first saw it. and i've gotten used to it yeah i don't even think twice about it now but camera bump. when it first came out again right exactly camera bump imagine that camera bump was not just was a not a bump, but they managed. Let's say they made either they thickened up the phone a little bit or shortened uh, the bump so that it was flush against the back. Now you're just looking at a series of cameras on a back that don't protrude anymore, but it's still an eyesore. Well, you cover it with that glass that, you know, can just cover up, you know, just I think it's, it's photosensitive glass. and forget there's a term for it. We'll come up with it before the end of the show. And that way, when you don't want people looking at the cameras in the back, it just looks like one continuous black piece yeah, of glass. Be really so cool. aesthetically, especially if you have like, you know, who knows how many cameras the new generations of phones are going to have in the next five years. We can end up with 20 cameras on the back of a friggin' phone and have it look ridiculous. But if you have this glass on there that can black it out and you would never see it, kind of adds a different element now it becomes functional more than
1: just sort of a gimmick right um definitely and i think i think you know this kind of technology is really just shrunk in larger technology so once they get it to the affordable stage where it really is kind of just affordable to throw into your phone it would be why not right yeah um samsung and i I call this a concept device but it's really not because it's going to be available very quickly their bali robot did you see this little guy no, tell me about that, because you
4: started telling me about this, but tell me more because this is what this is one that I that I miss, but I'm I'm intrigued. So go so ahead.
1: It's this little robot that looks very much like the little sphero spheres and the BB eights of the world that has embedded cameras and sensors, and it follows you around your home. And it interacts with you and your kids and your pets. And the design is and the whole point of it is to be aware of its surroundings. So it knows when you leave because you say okay. bye to it, and it can then go around your home and do things. For example, and they had a great little <laughs> video montage where the dog's okay. at home and the dog's playing around with Bali and it spills oh its dog food. So Bali then to go turns on the Roomba to come clean up the mess.
2: Oh, are or, you kidding me?
1: Oh, yeah. Or it goes and turns <laughs> off the TV or closes the blinds when the, when the sun comes in, the temperature's high. It's really, it's kind of like, a I guess, a presence-detecting robot that is right. also a companion throughout your home. Now, you know, it doesn't talk. Um, it it will have the power of Alexa and all those assistants and stuff. Right, right, right. But it really is kind of cute technology that I could see being somewhat affordable and kind of fun around the home. Yeah, I I think, you know, this is one that, yeah, this one is really cute because when you think about it, a lot of the stuff
4: we're talking about can be voice activated remotely, right? But if there's something sort of watching, if there's something sort of patrolling your home, and again, you, don't you almost think that in order to be not in order for it to not come off as big brothery and kind of creepy it has to be in sort of a cute has to be sort of a cute Acute ballish? Form yeah, yes yeah. because again it starts to feel like you know we're watching you Hal would you like me to turn on your value <laughs> roomba hal all of a sudden your robot's taking over the house but
1: when it's in the form of this ball and by the way I could see is there a ca- there's a camera built in right there's a couple cameras, a couple sensors time of flight sensors there's a flash built in there's you know various kind of night sensing it's a, it's a really cool little device. Cause it'd be fun to play with the play with your pet remotely with the ball, oh, 100%. and sort of
4: watch the whole thing happening. God, I can see to that play catching on. Oh,
1: wouldn't that? Oh, wow. yeah. Can you wow. imagine
4: parenting from afar? That's great parenting, man. Yeah, thanks. I, I think like we're, that. we're we're gonna win dad of the listen, year doing I, this with that. Listen, I, can tell.
1: I threatened to <laughs> bi- to have you babysit my kids over Skype, so. <laughs> um, it, is, it is. It is what it is. We're talking all about <laughs> CES 2020. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo. We're gonna have a special guest come on. Stephen Scott. He's the co-host of a TV show called Double Tap TV. There's a reason that I bring him on because I kind of do that with him. So let's take shameless. a quick break. I know, shameless. Shameless. Plug. Shameless. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break. Come back and get Stephen on the line. And talk all about his experience because he is uh, still there.
3: your tech report. Will be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click go. to yourtechreport.com.
1: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Marka Flalo in Montreal. Thank you guys for being here this week on this wonderful CES edition of our radio program. So as I alluded to off the beginning of this show, Mitchell <laughs> and I are uh, covering CES the way we normally do, which is by not being there um, due to various ailments. But thankfully, Mitchell, um, Stephen Scott, who's the host, the co-host of Double Tap TV, a little TV show that I do on AMI-tv. Uh, Quite a brilliant TV
4: show, by the way. Thank you. Let Stephen me just, and yeah.
1: I do that together. Check over, uh, check out uh, AMI.ca for that. He's also the host of uh, Double Tap Canada on AMI-audio and does a whole bunch of stuff, normally in Glasgow, Scotland, but he actually made it to Vegas. He made it to Vegas, Stephen. You still there? Yeah, I,
0: I made it to Vegas.
1: What
4: are you guys <laughs> Um, oh, we're
1: boy. holding so, down the so much
4: relief, so, so much relief, no man behind, right? I think we failed that miserably.
0: Yeah. So between the three of us, there's like you know, from uh, out of all of the CES trip, there was one working eye, uh, and that was mine, um, <laughs> yes. and that was it really. Uh, you sent the blind guy along yeah. to go to uh,
1: a massive event
0: where really you know seeing stuff might be kind of important. Yeah, scans.
1: I mean, I mean, it wasn't really planned very well, I guess. I mean, <laughs> we had good intentions, but you guys got to know something: that not only was Stephen there, and not only Stephen blind, and was he there alone? But Mitchell and I had all the equipment, so Stephen <laughs> yes. was there with with very minimal amounts of uh of ability to I don't know I don't capture the events as we needed to, but we 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 you know came to rapid you know I guess conclusion slash. Yeah, we found a, found a way to fix this problem, did we not? We
0: did. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. we did. we did. It was. It worked out in the end, and do you know, it's been great. It is one heck of an event to come along to. Overwhelming though, uh, isn't it? A little bit. Oh, completely, completely. I mean, the, the sheer scale. I mean, you know, I, I live in a small town. My entire small town could probably fit in this hotel room. It is just <laughs> ridiculous in terms of the size, uh, and and that's what. I guess, was a little bit overwhelming for me and why I was so looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, so the whole thing was that we, you go to all these different locations and you you spend a lot of time walking and walking and walking. 15,000 steps a day, guys. You know, for, for a fat Scottish guy like me, this is big news. I, I, I'm i not hearing a round of applause, but I think it should be there. You know, you know what? what? I, we're going yeah. to end the post. We, okay, post. We, we, we
4: were gonna pl- and you know what? We forgot to tell you one of the first things you will learn Uh, about going to CES. You learn this very quickly at least in the first day you're going to drop 10 pounds of water weight. There's no yes. way to avoid dropping 10 pounds of water and and we, you know we talked about and we talked about accessibility. We're going to be talking about more about actual accessibility in terms of technology, but in terms of the show's accessibility, Mark and I were talking at the beginning about how it used to be a more centralized experience because you have the convention floor proper and then you'd have maybe a hotel or two involved. But now, you know, how just being on the ground this year just for our listeners It is not easy to navigate a show that has multiple huge announcements going on simultaneously on completely opposite sides of the city, not just the convention hall. Well, that's right. I mean, you know,
0: getting from one hotel to the other could take you about half an hour. And if that's, yeah. you know, 30 minutes if you're lucky. And that is if you're lucky, right? Uh, th- there are coaches, there are, there are plenty of, of trams and monorails and things I've never heard of because I'm from a tiny small town in Scotland and we get one <laughs> bus a week. But. You know, when it comes to, you know, a place like this, you've got all the transportation, but you still got to get there. Um, even leaving the, the hall to go to another hall can take 20 minutes. Uh, so everything takes time. I have no idea why this event isn't six weeks long. It should be,
1: I, because listen, that's that's what you need. I had this planned out quite well. I knew exactly where we were going to be in one day. I was going to stick to one location and move it. But no, you had to blow that all up because I was homesick. It's okay. It's Stephen, you know... I, I, I'll ask you for your your overall takeaway at the end here, but what are the couple cool things that you stumbled upon that you're like, oh my god, I'm so glad I saw this or didn't, um, but but that you stumbled upon in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's,
1: it's it's so true. Yeah, it's, how do
0: you navigate this and then um, you know literally stumble over every single thing? I mean, literally, I walked into quite a lot of people who began began to get a bit annoying after a while. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I'll say about robots, and there was plenty of them on show at CES, is that the robots are aware. They are aware of the environment, so they move out of your way. Uh, unlike humans, so as a, I guess my big takeaway is going to be, I want less humans and more robots uh, because they're fantastic <laughs> for blind people. Uh, but no, there was there was so much stuff. I mean, the, from the from the silly to the incredible. I mean, I guess for me, uh, and I know you've been talking about cars, but you know the the. Autonomous vehicles of the future is the thing that I'm most looking forward to. And I know that sounds crazy coming from a blind guy. But because of the fact these cars will be able to drive themselves, because of the fact I'll be able to get into one of these vehicles, LG's Thin Q is the one that really stood out for me. This was a, a vehicle which essentially had a living room built into it. Wow. So you had seats, you had a 65-inch TV, they had even built in a, a a way that you could be watching the game at home and then say you had to go somewhere, you'd leave the house and you could continue watching the game on your 65-inch TV. Uh, if there was traffic ahead or the vehicle was going to slow down, you could watch, bizarrely, out of the window via cameras on the screen what you were looking at essentially what was in front of you, what the hold-up was going to be. And, you know, the car would sort of work out and how to get round it or how to get by it. Or, you know, it would just throw you more popcorn out of the little machine that it had. Um, <laughs> you know, there was a little fridge in there as well. And what I loved was, because this was almost like a taxi, that there was a little fridge that would pop out at the side of your seat. And when you took a drink out, it would pop up on screen and say, $2. You know, charge to your card, <laughs> and it was just amazing. Uh, and, and this is—if this is the way technology is going in terms of autonomous cars, it is going to make travel for someone who's blind just amazing. Because I've—I've got to be honest, guys. When you're blind, you tend to socialise a lot in places you don't want to socialise, and taxis is one of them. You know, it's not a popular viewpoint, but I cannot stand taxi drivers. Because I've got to talk to them, and I, I have learned here, and it's only here at the moment, and I think in Canada you've got this as well, uh, where there is the the quiet mode in Uber, so you can basically tell the driver to shut the hell up. Right. And I love that. Uh, I will pay extra just for that feature because you know when you get in a car, you want to put the music on, maybe sing badly to a couple of tracks, or you want to listen <laughs> to a podcast, and you want to do that without earbuds in and all the rest. These cars allow you to just be like everyone else, get around independently. So yeah, great for mobility but you know what, great for fun as well. And, that's
4: and, you know, and you know what, Stephen, I mean, I was watching, I think there was a, BM, BMW had a big showing as well when it came to autonomous cars. Yeah. They had, yeah. I think they had their own pavilion and they were doing test drives where the car would drive you around this predetermined track. And it was really, it was really kind of cool. Uh, and I, 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 I kind of came up with, with similar feelings to you, but I, I took it to the next level where I thought, okay. And I thought, I think about the word incentivize a lot. What would incentivize a purchase like this? How do we incentivize companies to do more? And I thought, okay, from a consumer Standpoint, not just as someone riding as a passenger, but if you wanted to purchase a car like this for yourself, what advantages? And, like you're saying, for yourself, for someone that's blind, for someone that's vision impaired, being able to own a car and not worry about the driving experience, just worry about the passenger experience itself. And also for people that just want to be more productive during their day, sometimes that driving part of their day is two or three hours that they can't get their jobs done, that they can't be productive. This gives people that time back which I also
1: thought was mo- another interesting way of looking at this, you know? But you know what, guys? To be perfectly honest, I don't think that we're going to be owning these cars. I think that we're going to be looking at services that offer these cars on yeah. demand when you right. need them. Right. So you don't have to own the car. You don't have to worry about maintaining it. You just literally hit a button. It's there when you need it. It takes you where you need to go, and it's waiting no, for no, you, no no, you no, 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 no,
0: no, no. I am completely against this idea. I want, you know, it's taken me, uh, I'm 38 years old and I've never been <laughs> able to own my own car. I want to own my car. And I, I do will too. use every penny. I, want to, oh, I will spend every penny I have uh, to own my own car. I'm not getting into some other car that someone else has had to use before me.
4: I want mine. Okay, especially if fine. you're going to use it like your wow, living room okay. especially no but listen if you, if you listen if it's going to be like your living room on wheels people are very proprietary about their relaxing space you know you want to make sure it has your level of hygiene all the toys that you want around you so I, yep. hey you know what mark so might not agree I man man would you on I get wheels? It. man cave
1: on that's
0: wheels that's exactly basically. what it is oh yeah oh wow you could do the show from there maybe that would mean you two could get
4: out to vegas at
1: last Studios, man cave Studio on, on wheels. wheels
4: tonight on fox yeah that'd be great <laughs> I think oh, I could pitch wow. that right
1: now. I can pitch that right now. Let's do it. Okay, let's talk about AI for a second, Stephen, because, I mean, how many yeah. how many different booths did you walk into and someone had some kind of form of AI either greeting you or making ping pong work? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that was it. I mean, there were so many devices that could do silly things, like Sharman's robot really made me laugh. If you are in a pickle when it comes to, uh, British word for you there, if you're in a pickle when it comes to, uh, you know, you're in in the bathroom uh, or the restroom, as you'll call it, and uh, you're sitting there and you think, ooh, the uh, toilet roll seems to have run out. Don't worry, because the robot, or the rollbot, will go off and get it for you. Although I do have a question. Um, uh, How does it open the door to get out and get? The loo roll That's the question I've got. Right, You're know, you gonna need like, obviously a, you door your like door a open, dog door. Do you? You're
4: gonna need like a little dog door for your bathroom to accommodate the robot and the toilet paper. It's bringing it. I think you we're need a robot door.
1: A, we're, I think we're analyzing this to a level that we don't <laughs> need to just yet. But what really, quite honestly, blew my mind. Charmin unveiled a foul odor detector called smell sense that can tell you when the bathroom is well, I guess, too stinky. And but not only that, but it can wow. also warn you when the smell is gone. So it's like almost like a little light on the b- outside the bathroom that says do not enter now.
0: Wait. Wow.
1: Replaces so your own like, sense you
0: of smell, yeah. You don't have to anymore. Uh use that classic phrase, I'd give it 10 minutes. <laughs> because Alexa'll do it for you. She'll announce it
4: to the whole house. Don't go in there right now unless you want to die yeah. in minutes.
1: We are lighting a match, please, please. Hold. <laughs> Um I I I always I keep forgetting the name of this AI technology that we all, you know, saw videos of. Um what's it called the uh, Neon uh, Neon Neon. Tell me about yeah, Neon. So yes. Neon. Yeah.
0: Right. So Neon is incredible. It's uh, a device that um, well it, it's not out and it's not going to be out anytime soon let's be honest. But this is essentially <laughs> lifelike AI. So the whole point is that this could be something that eventually will replace a hotel concierge or uh, probably replace a service in a, in a shop when you go in. Uh, the idea is uh, you have st- standing in front of a portrait screen with what looks like a human. I know you've had a look at some of the pictures, Mitchell. It is so creepy yeah, how real they look. Though.
4: I, I, I would R. bet my life that it is a real that it's a real person. I mean we're talking that photorealistic. It looks nothing like, you know, images in the past of a computerized person. It looks like a regular
2: person. Yeah,
0: it does. And I asked them. I said, "Look, is this real people you've based this on?" And they said, "No, we've built from the ground up these AIs and uh, that is what's going to be essentially becoming those kind of uh, like I say, concierge, and I use that example because one of the things they talked about was if you go into a hotel, say, right, you go to traveling to a lot of hotels and you use the same chain wherever you go, well, imagine being able to walk into that hotel and the AI recognizes you and then knows what kind of food you like, what, where you like your room to be, generally in an elevator or whatever, you know, all of those things that are part of your experience, can just be solved very quickly. It cuts down on all the unnecessary conversation, any issues perhaps with language barriers or whatever. All of that goes away thanks to this lifelike AI. Uh, is, I will say, though, there was demonstrations being done. Uh, the people from Neon were very keen to make sure that the questions you asked were the questions they wanted you to ask and right. that they had to ask them. So this is not technology that's finished by any uh, stretch. It is, however, being backed by Samsung's R&D department. There's a lot of money being poured in there. So, um, yeah, we shall see what comes of it. But they're, they're also saying this is not another Alexa. It's not to ask what the weather is or what time it is, you know, or should I take a, a coat to work today? It's not for that. Yeah. It's very much about service provision. So um, uh, the one thing, though, which did terrify me, Okay. Uh, and we, <laughs> we did some video with, with the guys uh, for, for the Double Tap TV show, and... Um, when they showed us a newsreader standing reading the news, uh, it kind of, it was at that moment, it kind of hit home. You know, it doesn't really, nothing's a problem in life until it happens to you. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> suddenly I realized my job is now at a risk here. Although if they uh, can turn an AI into a bumbling Scottish idiot, then, uh, then fantastic. Uh,
1: but I think up until that <laughs> point, I may be safe. I mean, you could become a consultant. For that model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, make sure that it, but, yeah. it resembles a proper bumbling Scottish idiot. A proper you know what, bumbling guys? Idiot, yeah. This
4: is something that, you know, for me, being in the film and television industry for the last mm, how many decades, and we, we joked about it. As technology increased, we always joke. Well, I think the played, first time, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, and I think it was the first time they put Fred Astaire in a Bissell commercial, if I'm not mistaken, like yes. a floor cleaner or vacuum yeah, yeah, really commercial. Uh, yeah, and. And then putting John Wayne in a beer commercial and people saying, oh, you know, it's just a matter of time before they're able to replace actors. Well, this is a very similar sort of vibe. And you're right, there is, Stephen, an element of, oh, wow, <laughs> how how much is our job in jeopardy? Well, thank thankfully, these are years away from being actually, you know, a day to day sort of presence in our lives, but it just reminds you how fragile the ecosystem, the entertainment ecosystem is when they're developing these humanoids that look and sound so real. But hey, you couldn't even ask them direct questions. I think we're safe for at least another decade.
0: Absolutely. But I will yeah. say this, you've you, you very diplomatically said that, but I think what you're really saying is it doesn't matter because it'll happen after we are dead, so screw them. We, the future generations we sold know. it. But we'll be, we'll be fine.
4: Yeah, we'll, sl- we'll
1: still I'm get okay. residuals. So, you know,
4: right. the next gen, there, they're not going to get them, but that's fine. I, I'm kind of okay
1: with that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Stephen, uh, folding computers is something else that I wanted to bring up, and you had mm. hands-on time with the new Lenovo. Now, now we saw the i guess the the footprint or the, the 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 blueprint for this when microsoft unveiled their neo and their surface duo and we knew that those devices and i remember when we we heard interviews from that event talking about how they pushed the boundaries so that their partners are pushed in, in that same direction and they kind of do it because they can spend the money on r and d and potentially lose if they need to so now we're seeing the fruits of their labor, of Microsoft's labor, come to life in products that we're going to see before we even see these Microsoft products. What was your impression of these?
0: Yeah, it's all about the art of the possible, isn't it? That's what Microsoft are doing. They're showcasing what could be. And what Lenovo have done is they've created it. But what I love about this, the 13-inch version of this, uh, what looks like a tablet when you, when you look at it, when it's folded out, uh, it, it just looks like a, a big iPad. Uh, but it's a properly powerful computer. That's, I think, the difference as well here, that they haven't just created some netbook, you know, or or Chromebook, dare I say it, uh, experience. It is a proper functioning computer, uh, which, of course, makes all the difference to creatives and people who want to use this. You can use it in a dock, you can use it handheld on the train, you can use it whatever way you like. And then, of course, it folds up to half the size. And it's got a little keyboard added in as well. So if you still want to traditionally type, you can do that too. So, you know, yeah, the the technology is good. And that's the point that the hardware inside is good. Lenovo are world-renowned for their computers. And, uh, you know, especially business computers, this is very much aimed at the business market for sure. And I guess the education market to some degree as well. Because if you think about kids who get hold of these in school, if it's folded up, well, if it falls, it's not going to smash into a thousand pieces as easily. So that is a good thing. But certainly a brilliant device, quite heavy, still quite thick. Um, I would say almost like a decent paper uh, paperback book in terms of thickness. So, you know, it's not a thin machine uh, even when folded up, but uh, it's, clearly it's got a lot of interesting um, capabilities and of course that Intel Core processor is going to make all the difference.
4: Hey Steve, I had a question for you. We we were talking about something off the air together. We were kind of joking about it and we, you know, then we went deeper into it but I, I want to go back to this because it goes back to accessibility. And I know on the show, that you know, on Double Tap that you do with Mark uh, we're focused on products and, and their accessibility, how they can be used by people that may be blind, it may be vision impaired. And there are so many companies, I think, that are making an effort now to have accessibility be part of their mantra, be part of what they're trying to do moving forward, be more accessible, allow more people to enjoy their products more easily. But you brought up something very interesting. Your experience, walking the floor, and obviously you're going to experience things differently than someone who could see. And you want to be able to, and you you joked about wanting to touch something that they were saying, oh, please don't touch this. But for you, that sensory experience is part of how you're seeing and how you're experiencing a product. How was it? How open were people to this? I know some people might have been a bit thrown off, but are these exhibitors being open enough to realizing not everyone is going to see or experience their products the same way?
0: So it's an interesting paradox. You've got a situation where, and I've asked this question to a number of exhibitors at CES, uh, and the question ultimately is, uh, or or I guess the answer ultimately is, um, about accessibility in products versus the knowledge of accessibility that could go into the products. Right. It's an interesting...
4: uh, Dichotomy
0: there, yeah. It is, yeah, because on one hand you've got the, the issue of whether or not they even understand what accessibility is, and then if it's in the product. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's got big buttons. (laughs) that's great, but when I press the buttons, how do I know what they do? Uh, Oh, right, yeah, well, we don't know. Or, oh, it's got big print. Yeah, I can't read it. Oh, okay. Um, You know, it's that kind of thing. So it's just about the knowledge. And I have to say, I don't think accessibility is on the roadmap as much as we would like to think it is. I mean, I'll give you a good example of that. Uh, There are a lot of products here that are Android-powered. So, for example, you've got a lot of products uh, like smart fridges uh, that have got Android built in. But, of course, there's no ability for accessibility to be put into those products because they haven't put that part in. Now, it's not saying they couldn't do it, but the fact is they haven't done it. And it's interesting when you see the big major companies, Apple, Samsung as well to some degree, um, Amazon, Google, all putting accessibility first and foremost in their products. Why are these other companies not seeing that? Why are they not understanding that the value? And what I'm trying to say to people here at CES is, You've got to understand the value of our pound. Our pound is worth something, but you know, here's the reality of living with a visual impairment. Uh, here's the reality of living with a disability in 2020, Mitchell. You know, even though we walked up to the every single booth, uh, and Jane, who was with me as my support person, everybody wanted to talk to Jane, and everybody want nobody wanted to talk to me, because well, why would they talk to me? Because what would they want to say? And even though I was speaking to them, I was aware they were looking at her. So even oh, in wow. 2020, on a personal social level, people don't see you as an equal. So if you, if you can't get that right, if we can't even get the social side, the basics right, then how can we ever expect those people to ever think about putting any of this accessibility and time into their products?
4: Wow. Well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And it's something that, and, you know, we have a lot of people that that are in the industry, that are in the tech world, that listen to the show. And it was something that, you know, again, there's something we kind of talked about off the air, but it, it sort of spurred something in my mind about your experience, you experiencing the show. And yes, as, as far as we'd like to think, there are companies, I think, that do put accessibility at the forefront. And moving forward, I think we're going to see those companies expand on what they're already doing. But I think the, the takeaway here is, instead of the companies that are already tuned into the world of making their product more accessible, doing more. We have to have more companies that aren't doing anything start to make those moves. I think that's where we have to start right now.
0: It's not a nice thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. That's yeah, the point. Right. It's, yeah. it's not about being nice and saying, oh, well, that's good now. We've we've made the blind people have a chance to, you know, try out our products. That's lovely, isn't it? That means when they're sitting there, knitting their, weaving their baskets and tuning their pianos, they can, you know, have something else to do. That's right. not what it's about. You know, a lot of us actually work for a living. Hello. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of us want to socialize. A lot of us want to enjoy the same technology. And we are very lucky. And it's, again, it's a, a dichotomy here. But we're in a situation where there are so many companies, a lot of startups here who don't yet have the knowledge about accessibility, um, who don't yet understand it and who don't yet see the value in it. That's the yeah. key point. Um, while you've got all these major companies that are doing it, it's a very, it's almost the wrong way round. You would right. expect the startups to be doing it first, and then the bigger companies saying, "Hey, what's this accessibility thing all about?" But they're, the big guys are getting it right, and for that reason, as a blind guy in 2020, yes, there are challenges, but actually technically thanks to apple and i have to say you know as much as we joke about apple and we always i always get criticized for being an apple fanboy right but the fact is they're a company that made a product that i can use without any sight at all i mean that is just incredible i can edit video on my mac with no vision. I can That's send incredible. emails, I can browse the web, I can do banking, I can do all the stuff that everybody else does on my iPhone, on my iPad. The only truly accessible TV experience I ever have is through an Apple TV. Yeah, I can listen to music, even the buttons on the HomePod. There's only three buttons, or uh, soft buttons if you like, on a HomePod, only three of them. All of those can be turned on and made accessible and speak back to you. That's why I support them, and that is what I want every product, whatever company it is, to be thinking about
4: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think Microsoft has done a ton on that side as well, and what's been traditionally an incredibly visual medium, the the Xbox division has been, you know, making a lot of strides there as well
0: you're absolutely right. Microsoft have made amazing strides in making technology more accessible, but Skype is still terrible. Yes. <laughs> you're right, about? you're right. We'll get there, guys. We'll get we'll there. Guys. Get
1: there. <laughs> Steve, I guess you're uh, you're on your way out of Vegas today, right? I, I was hoping to. <laughs> I know the answer uh, to <laughs> this question. Ho- hoping <laughs> nope. to make
0: the move. Nope. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I think a gust of wind took away an airport or something. Yeah, and, it, looks uh, like a, it. it looks
1: like Dallas, Fort Worth, which you would expect to be a uh, nice, warm airport. Uh, i was getting hit by ice right now, so uh, yeah, you're gonna stick around in ironic, Vegas for it? another 24 hours, aren't you? It's a hard life, guys. Yeah, it, really it is. We'll hard. do this no, all again next week. It'll be great. There's, there's, yeah, there's really nothing to do there. Um,
0: <laughs> no, it's it's not the kind of place you want to be stuck. Really, is? It? I mean, there's nowhere to eat, there's nowhere to go, uh, there's no shows on. It's you know, what? in that
1: hotel that you're in, you're staying in the Luxor. They actually have one of the first uh, North America's first esports arena built into the Luxor hotel. So go check that out. For
0: I was more interested in the fantasy exhibition, which apparently involves topless wound, but that's just me. Um, and I wonder if, yeah, they, I wonder the, if they do uh, touch the too. The
1: ABN <laughs> show tends to start right after CBS. And if you don't know what ABN <laughs> is, look it up. Oh, Scott. Maybe, maybe not. Anymore. Thank you so much for being our man on the street uh, over there in Vegas. Thank you for being here in your tech report. Uh, we will take a quick break and come back and wrap it up,
3: Mitchell. Your tech report will be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
1: Welcome back. Marco Flallow in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Thanks to Stephen Scott for joining us. Stephen's a great guy. Check out a uh, great guy. Double Tap TV on AMI-TV, hosted by him and myself. No plug hmm. there intended. Speaking of plugs, Mitchell.
4: <laughs> My hair is plug-free,
1: but Your come hair on. is plug-free next week. Yes. Next week, j- j- January. I keep saying July. Uh, January <laughs> 15th. A brand new show on Sirius XM called Gamer's Edge. Hosted Gamer's by, Edge. Uh, one Mitchell Whitfield and one Mark Flallow. We're going to be talking all about gaming, whether it's console, PC, eSports, mobile. Lots of cool fun. Um, uh, a blog post just went up on the Sirius XM website today, announcing our first guest, who is Mr. Larry Herb, none other than Major Nelson himself. Mm-hmm. If you are yep. an Xbox guy, you know who he is. If you're not, you're gonna. If you're a
4: gamer, I think you know who he is. I mean, I think he's almost transcended
1: just the Xbox brand. If you're a gamer, you know who Major Nelson is. Can you imagine if he one day left that company? I can't imagine. It's like you look at people sometimes who are lifers at a company, and, right? And 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 especially people like him who you can tell are legitimately having fun at what they do.
4: He loves what he does. Yeah, like he it, absolutely there's, loves. There's what he no does. question
1: yeah. about it. Like he, he, yeah. it's not work. It's it's, it's not work for a day in his life. And uh, I can never imagine that company without someone like him there, uh, which is which is really cool. So I look forward to bringing you guys that show and uh, very cool stuff. Check out GamersEdgeRadio.com. Uh, check out uh, all the social media, GamersEdgeRadio. You will find that online, and we will be back next week with that show. But before we, of course, get to that, Mitchell, we want to wrap up this. Yeah, we're still here. The we're CS here. show, which is lots of fun. Um, yes. God, you know, the other thing I noticed about CS this year was, you know, we just saw this launch of 5G. You know, we see it's kind of trickling through different markets. And yeah, you're going to need a new phone for it. And we're going to see it appear in more and more mainstream over the next couple of years. However, it's really prevalent in a lot of the new devices. Like a lot of these connected laptops are now 5G compatible. A lot of these new routers are going to be, you know, 5G compatible whether they're out there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how quickly this technology is adopted and what it does to change the industry a bit. Well, also, people have to understand there
4: are different levels of 5G, just like there were different levels oh, of yeah. 4G. Exactly. Uh, and what people need to know is you're going to be seeing a lot of commercials now. I believe um, here in the states, T-Mobile is advertising their, you know, their full release of 5G. And then you'll hear Verizon talking about their 5G is city specific right now, and yep. people are thinking, well, why does T-Mobile have a better infrastructure? And now that they're merging with Sprint, is that the reason? Another reason costs is
1: billions of dollars, man. This is like this yeah, is like yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, I mean. I mean, if you remember back in the day, Verizon almost went bankrupt trying to spread fiber optics throughout North America. Uh, it's a very expensive prospect. Now, this is not fiber optics. This is obviously 5G is a tower-based technology. The thing is, there are different levels of 5G. There are different speeds. The one that right now T-Mobile is promoting is not the 1.5 to 2 gigabit down, you know, download and upload speed that people are, you know, thinking about, or download speed that people think about true 5G. Yeah. It is a slower speed, but it's able to travel travel greater distances, which is why they're able to spread the signal so quickly initially. The ones that we're talking about that I think Mark has Brownley did a video uh on YouTube where he went he flew he flew himself
1: out to I think Rhode Island to this one city that had it first and, and then he you know, flew out to the, the West th- Coast and, and had another experience Correct. with it. And different yeah. types of the technology, too. As you said, there's one called Millimeter Wave, which is really short distance. It which is you... the one that's incredibly fast, but yeah, you have exactly. to be very close to the tower and have a clear line of sight. And so you basically have to be so... in the
4: same block. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: exactly. So if you're at the corner, it's at the corner of your street, you'll likely maybe get it halfway down the block. And that's about it. <laughs> that's but it, that's yeah. not yeah. the it's one like... that people are raving about. People are raving about this new technology. It's going to be longer distances so that people in rural areas where they didn't want to spend all this infrastructure, all this money to get fiber optics out there will now. Be able to have access to, if not the 5G speeds, at least these broadband speeds that they never had access to before. But as you said, Mitchell, you know, even even though the infrastructure is there, you know, you look at a a wireless tower. Okay, a wireless tower is down the street. It Mm -hmm. is still physically connected via fiber optic cable to other towers into to other networks and to other infrastructures, right? So yes. that infrastructure needs to be able to support it, needs to be able Correct. to handle all these speeds. So there are so many elements involved, which is why it takes time. And then you look at the mobile side of things. You know, there are only a couple of companies that are building the modems, and it takes them to ma- time to manufacture those and to make sure they're compatible, to test them. So we're going to see this take some time. And this is there's a trickle-down effect
4: here as well, Mark, because like many technologies, it has an effect on technologies that surround it. And what's going to happen is, as soon as people realize that their phones are now faster than their home internet connection, yeah. that's going to start putting pressure on their local service providers, and ISPs are going to do one of two things. They're going to have to up their game or change the way they distribute their product. And what I mean by that is we are going to start seeing Wi-Fi-covered cities where I think at a certain point, Mark, a certain point in time in the not-so-distant future... People are not going to need routers anymore, wireless routers at home, because their neighborhood, their city will be covered wirelessly. Yeah. Why not? They're doing it cellularly. Cellul- I can't say cellularly. Cellularly, cellularly yeah. right now yeah. with 5G. Why couldn't they do that with home Wi Fi? If your phone is faster than your home, that's a problem. So it's going to have a, tech, a trickle down effect and a domino effect on how, and on how our home internet works and what a home consumer expects from
1: their home internet service provider. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's going to be lots of really cool stuff. And you know, it's nice to see at least get a glimpse of what we're going to see down the road when it comes to uh when it comes to everything that's going on. The uh, Best yeah. of CES Awards are one of these things that I guess, you know, towards the end of CES they announce it. It's uh it's you know where you could see some really cool gadgets. Phonak, which is a great company that's been making hearing aids for a very long time, they won best of CES with their uh, Virtual Black, which is a it's almost a hearing aid slash Bluetooth headphone devices for long distance listening. Very very cool. Wow. Um, uh, this best startup. We things have a new smart watch that's kind of a combo of a you know analog watch but has a built-in you know you know some of the watches have the 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 chronograph you have different circles inside it.
4: All right, complications. They're they're actually called complications, yeah. So the
1: actual complication is the digital power portion of this watch, which is really cool. That's genius. Yeah. Because
4: some people still like a regular, nice-looking, regular analog watch, but with new technology. And I think that's a nice hybrid
1: sort of product. Um, Another wireless earbud, Olive Union Smart Ear. This is a true wireless earbud. Uh, it's almost invisible in the ear when you're actually wearing it, but it's also meant to be a hearing aid with all the different experiences that a hearing aid offers obviously off of application and, you know, that see-through kind of hearing. Plus, it brings the Bluetooth element to things as well, which is really cool. That's right. Lots great. of things we saw in wireless charging I mean, and just TVs. I mean, this is, CES has been known for their televisions, and we have now seen the mainstream introduction of 8K TVs. Right. We don't have programming in 8K. I mean, there's a couple YouTubers who are uploading in 8K, but I haven't seen 8K programming. I don't know if your Direct TV box can even support 8K programming.
4: It cannot yet, but I tell the winner is the winner is everyone that's been holding out waiting to get a 4K television. Watch those prices drop, and 4K TVs are going to be here for at least the next five years, and they are absolutely brilliant. So watch these
1: 4K OLEDs start to drop in price, folks. And some of these companies that, you know, you and I have been talking about for a very long time, the Hisense of the world, the TCL of the world, they are really stepping up their game. They have some really incredible products, and the price tag is where they really set apart because they are not expensive the last product I really wanted to kind of throw out there, Mitchell, was this Insta 360 One, which is a modular action camera. It's a right. 360 camera with different kind of modules that you can piece it together to do as you want. For example, is it
4: the one you walk around with a stick and it sort of s- shoots everything around you? You it can control the point you, you of you view. Can, you can add yeah. a better
1: lens to it if you want by modules. You can you can flip the camera, sorry, the screen, so it's front facing if you want to see that. Which is oh, that's really awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. And Dell's XPS 13, they reintroduced. I mean, they've now reintroduced this. Three times since its initial release, bigger trackpad, bigger keyboard, almost, I mean, I would say still an infinity edge display, but the edge on displays, Mitchell, are going to be gone in the next year. And it keeps on getting better. And and, and, and you don't mind if they keep reintroducing because it does keep getting better. (laughs) Uh, and <laughs> it does perform better. I'm just glad that I didn't go out and buy one, you know, three months ago because I'd be pissed and I'd want to buy the new one. But now I'm scared <laughs> to buy the new one because I'm, you know, worried another one's going to come out. So exactly. I, I know. It's 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 one of these things. But it was a it was a fun we could see as I wish I could have been there. Um, not as many drones as I expected. Um, there was a lot of autonomous drone technology on display, but no real fun, you know, kind of that we're used to on the DJI side of things.
4: Well, you know, I think those companies, drone companies, sort of do their own thing now. They're not bound to CES anymore. They have their own sort of vibe, their own shows, and uh, I expect to see them everywhere else. So it's not a big deal. Well, and
1: don't forget, we've got a couple shows lined up because you've got NAM, which is for the recording industry. We see lots of music equipment, which, yeah. of course, bleeds into the whole podcasting world of things. So that's become more mainstream. And yeah. then you've got NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. That's over in April. That's when we see some really cool camera tech. We'd, became a drone show Who knew I know it Became a drone <laughs> show A camera show And lots of fun stuff So thank you guys For being here Thank you for uh, Dealing with our Ailing voices And uh, we are happy To bring this show To you guys And do take a listen To Gamers Edge Next week July uh, January the 15th I, I will get January the 15th It's, um, it's coming up It's next week Yeah Sirius yeah XM 167 Follow Gamers Edge Radio And you'll find out All the information About that Thank you to Stephen Scott For joining us From the show floor Over in Vi- uh, Las Vegas And Mitchell Thank you for being here. Go back hey man, to bed Thank now. you.
4: Feel better. Take care of yourself, man.
1: Yeah, everybody out there, go go take a pill or something. Go take a nap and get over <laughs> the holidays because uh, I think we're all in the holiday hangover mode. So uh, thank you for being here. Follow us everywhere. It is at your tech report on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flallo.